This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Happy post Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah, I'm still full. I uh <laughs> I uh was all I could do not to make myself a turkey sandwich before we, we came in here to record this morning. I'm just saying. And but so and, you know, he's making it right now while we record. That's right. I'm in the <laughs> kitchen making my uh my turkey sandwich on rye with a with a daub of uh cranberry sauce. So I what I'm really looking forward to is I every time I smoke a turkey, mm-hmm. there's a guy in my gaming group that has a recipe for a turkey frame soup. Mm-hmm. So I basically I do an incredibly crappy job of carving the turkey. So there's a lot of extra meat left like on the bone and take it over there. And he uses it as the basis to make his soup. Nice. And so I get a incredible turkey soup at the next gaming session. There is no part of the turkey that goes to waste at my house. Uh, you know, so I, I'm always making soup with uh, the carcass and, you know, parts of the bird that we don't eat. And uh, it's always really good. I, however, do not have a carcass this year. I uh, It was just going to be Suzanne and I. So I ordered a turkey breast from one of my favorite barbecue places down in Elgin, Texas. And uh, we did that and it was delightful. It was yeah, see, delightful. I've, that sounds lovely. I have smoked the just the breast before, mm-hmm. but I've gone back to doing it with the bone just so I can get the soup. Well, I did last year. Uh, I did the turkey breast, but I smoked it myself. And it was I ordered the breast from a company called Wild Fork, and uh, it's it was gigantic and it had it was a bone in breast. Yep. Um, so which was really nice. Oh man, it was so good. But I got to tell real- you. The, Go ahead. The, the real question is, what is your wood blend? Uh, for that, I did an apple wood. I do. Uh, I've got it nailed down at this point. I do 80% maple and 20% pecan. It's a good mix. I like it. I like it. Well, I've got a ton of uh, of turkey left over. And, All right. Uh, so I'll be, this, by, this... Uh, I'll be by later on this morning. I got to tell you, man, the, the uh, Southside Market is uh the barbecue place i ordered from and and i every time i'm i'm, I'm driving in central texas i always swing by there because they've got perfect uh barbecue and th- th- this this turkey breast is outstanding really very good sandwiches have have been off the hook <laughs> so good stuff good stuff well, well if you're still listening yes. to this podcast turkey talk <laughs> with turkey Aaron <laughs> Um, you know, there there was actually some some pretty big news right before the holiday. Star Wars news. You know, we, our adjacent podcast, or our what we we don't call them sister podcasts, our our sibling podcast, um, <laughs> Ahsoka with Aaron and Polly. Uh, you know, we we talked quite a bit about. Well, I think it was Star Wars with Aaron and Polly because if you're looking for it, I think it's Star Wars with Aaron and Polly. That's correct. You know, you know, we, we talked about Dave Filoni's Ahsoka series and how much we were looking forward to what comes next. You know, Dave Filoni is planning a a, a movie that will culminate the storylines from Mandalorian and um, Boba Fett and now Ahsoka. Well, Dave Filoni himself got a little bit of a promotion in, in you know, before that movie uh, goes before cameras. And uh, I think a lot of fans are pretty, pretty happy um that and i'm trying to do you uh, i'm trying to find a what the what his weird title is now chief creative officer wasn't it i think it's chief creative officer yeah Yeah. so you know he is basically now the the kevin feige 
for for all Star Wars properties. And I, I kind of feel like he was kind of already doing that. Yeah, apparently, you know, you know he was actually saying because they, they he said one of the big differentiations is that before, you know, other people would do products like Skeleton Key and or, you know, there are all these movies that are going into play and they'd they'd start the product, you know, they'd start it and he'd come in after. Right. So, yes, this fits with continuity, this con- contradicts continuity, that kind of thing. Now he's the guy that it, ru- it starts with. Yeah. So that's the well, I think difference. it's smart. I, I think yeah. they've needed that 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 kind of guiding hand. Uh, I I I got to tell you, I felt like Ahsoka was a home run. I am I am very excited uh, for his movie. Um, I, I I I think the problems that we have had in the Star Wars storytelling of late have been because you haven't had somebody who is ultimately in charge that wasn't just you know a a a corporate goon so it's nice to see somebody who loves star wars being in charge of star wars yeah they couldn't have picked a better person like looking through all the stuff he's had a hand in i have loved absolutely all of it except for boba fett yeah well and you know he's a guy who trained with George Lucas. I mean, yeah. that's that's who brought him up. And I mean, you couldn't ask for, you know, uh, a, a better person to take it over because, you know, he he has the 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 experience with George Lucas, but he also appreciates the storytelling. Whereas, you know, I think Lucas really kind of got into the the technical art of it. Uh, and, you know, he, you know, Filoni really embraces the stories. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think, I think this is a win. Yeah, for sure. And I'm re- you know, I think, you know, a lot of people are not fans of Kathleen Kennedy. I, I, I tend to have no real Kathleen Kennedy issues. So she still heads up Lucasfilm. Right. But now you've got that in between that's actually heading up star Wars, which I think yeah. is, is smart, you know, because there are those star Wars is the main property for Lucasfilm. It is not the only property. Um, and so, you know, it's the only property they've really been successful with <laughs> over the last few, you know, because the Indiana Jones film did okay. The Willow show did not do well, but, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see what Lucasfilm, you know, does with those properties. Well, but yeah, I can't I'm wait. I, I'm really looking forward to the next feature in the American graffiti verse. So, yes. uh, <laughs> or the radio, the radio land murders sequel. Uh huh. Yeah. And of course, you know, more THX, so yeah, THX 1139. Yeah, well, this will be 1140. So, 1140. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of showrunners and and you know things like that, we haven't talked, we haven't updated you lately on on James Gunn and what he's doing with the DCU, partly because a lot of stuff has really been holding. But now that the writer strike and actor strike is over, news is just flooding out. Um, mostly about you know Superman Legacy, which is the first film coming out from from James Gunn's DCU. We already knew about David Corrin Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan as uh, Clark and Lois. Nathan Fillion as Hal Jordan. We knew Metamorpho would be in it, but now we've got casting for for Jimmy Olsen as Skylar Gisondo, who. I don't know who that is, but he's been in a, he's been in a lot of TV shows. Um, actually, he's been he's been in stuff I've heard of. He was in the the new Vacation movie. He was in that Licorice Pizza movies. So I think people know him, just not me. 
Um, but the one I'm excited for is Nicholas Holt, uh, is, is potentially our new Lex Luthor. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with Mr. Holt. No, I'm glad to see the casting though, because I think the characters all look the part. I will do a minor correction of for Paul. So the listeners don't. Nathan Fillion is Guy Gardner, not Hal Jordan. Oh, okay. Well, Google was wrong. Google steered me awry. Um, <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, he's Guy Gardner. Stupid. So Aaron, I know we had this conversation about Nicholas Holt offline. Uh-huh. And so, you know, he's he's the young beast in those James McAvoy X-Men movies. Uh-huh. The one that's not Kelsey Grammer. Right. <laughs> And, you know, this is me on mic pressuring you to watch Renfield. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> you can pressure as much as you want, Paul. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to bow to your peer pressure. You should also see the menu because the menu is also totally up your alley. The menu. I'm unfamiliar with this film. So the menu features uh, Ray Fiennes, um, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, John Leguizamo. Um, it is... It is by the creator of Succession, Mark Mylod, um, and it's it's a suspense film about these people who go to an island to experience this like premier chef's, you know, eight course menu, um, but they don't realize that you know, things are going to go awry. It's it's like a comedic horror film. Uh, I, I actually I think it's really good and definitely recommend it. And hey, then you then you would get some Nicholas Holt in your life. Okay. So uh, another the movie I knew him from first was Warm Bodies. Oh, that's right. He was I also in Jack the Giant movie. Slayer, but I I never saw that one. I've seen none of these movies. You're <laughs> saying you're just anti Nicholas Holt is is how I'm. Hating that's this. right. Well, I have decided to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because he's Lex Luthor. You're supposed to hate him. There you go. There you go. Yeah, as long as he shaves his head, I'll be happy. I don't know. It I feel like they're going to go with a um, with like, a haired with a haired Lex, at least for the first movie. You know, kind I would of like be open to a haired round. Lex, but I need, you know, redhead Lex with full beard and mustache a la 1990s Lex. I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I need. Um, I want you know, we, we, we heard that the recent Blue Beetle film is in continuity for the new James Gunn DC universe, you know, that blue beat that mm-hmm. blue beetle will be his blue beetle. And so I watched part <laughs> of, of blue beetle uh, this weekend. I was like, huh, you know, I, I, I had, you know, watched everything else I'd planned on watching. And I'm like, okay, well let me give blue beetle a shot. And let me tell you how I turned that off. It, it was objectionable i did not care for it and i saw no reason for some of the changes they made from the jaime reyes uh, story in the comics for instance one of the beautiful things about the story in the comics is that jaime reyes lives in el paso this takes place in florida for no good reason that I could discern. They I don't know. I think the only reason they changed it was so that they could show beaches and people in swimsuits. I, I, I was, I was I very like people in swimsuits. I do, too. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just like this is a stupid this. This is change for change sake. Yeah, I understand that there's a story reason, but this was change for change sake. And then it it 
and I'm sure this is was intended. I'm sure this is the movie they intended to make, but it was kind of a crass teenage comedy. And I was like, okay, this isn't what I want. This isn't this isn't the Blue Beetle comic book. And I understand there are, you know, you you tell different kinds of stories in film than you tell in the comic book. But this it had none of what I enjoyed about the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle character. Uh, and so, I mean, I think I only made it 30 minutes into this movie. It was, yeah, I haven't it was objectionable. It cause, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, mostly because I don't like the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. I don't like the, it's basically like Iron Man meets Venom to me. I'm a Ted Cord fan. I, I like even the older version Blue Beetle to me is a character without powers that is basically like Batman, only not as skilled as Batman. Mm-hmm. I just have never, I never liked that. It's such a wild way to go with the character to give him like powered armor and such. Yeah, I mean, I get to appeal to a broader audience why they did that. Um, but I, you know. I saw that Blue Beetle is now on Max, and I haven't had a chance to watch it. But I got to tell you, you are not the first person over this past week since it came out on Max who has been uh, like, that film is not good, which is a real shame. Well, and it's here's the thing that I'm I'm just kind of amazed by it. Uh, Black Adam. It's a really good movie. (laughs) I I, I've rather enjoyed Black Adam. I've watched it a couple of times now. Um, Why is it? Why is that not in continuity? And this thing is I'm uh, just like, because th- I thought it was. If I am watching 30 minutes into your movie and I didn't even catch how long it was, I don't know if it's 90 minutes or two hours, but, you know, that is a big chunk of time on the screen for me not to enjoy a moment of it. And I was actually in a pretty good mood when I was watching it. So that I don't feel like that was affecting my perspective. Uh, I thought it was objectionably bad, which struck me as odd because I heard so many good things about it uh, when the movie was released. But, boy, I I thought it was just not good at all. Yeah, it is a shame that Black that Black Adam, you know, every film that's come after Black Adam, Uh you know, considering, you know, Dwayne Johnson put all that work into it. Yeah. Right. Passion Project. Passion Project. Yeah. Then they, you know, had. Then they basically, as soon as it came out, just basically disregarded it. And yeah. after all that time, <laughs> then, you know, then Flash, it away. Blue Beetle, um, there was another movie that came out, another DC movie. But basically every movie that's come out since has done worse yeah. than it. Um, you know, and well, I don't and know that I, I hold that, out a lot of hope for Aquaman. Well, I I have no in, intent to see it in theaters. See, I, that is... I, I did not I like might. the first Aquaman. Uh, I enjoy uh, uh, I enjoy the actor. I, Jason I, Momoa. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I drew a blank for a moment. Uh, but I do not. I did not like Aquaman. I, I think that some of the trailer looks good, but there are elements of it that remind me of how much I disliked Aquaman. Uh, I think he, I think he was great in the Justice League films. Um, but boy, I'm not interested in seeing this thing. I okay, I'll catch did it on not that. like the first Aquaman. I I, yeah. I I dug I kind of enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Upon rewatches, uh-huh. I was like, no, no, it's not good. But I I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just I'm going back 
I'm going back to the well to get <laughs> abused again to see yeah. Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom because I do think I'm going to see it in theaters. Uh, yeah. Ugh. I've never <laughs> even watched the first one, so oh, wow, I won't really? see it in theaters. You're, you're not missing anything because it's not good. <laughs> no, the first I think one you're, is not good. I think I think you're better off with just having experienced Aquaman in the in the Snyder films. So. And I know how, how Wayne <laughs> feels Wayne about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he I think his character is a lot of fun in those movies. Um, I, I, I just find his story ridiculous in the in his solo films. Yeah. So anywho, uh, I'm I'm I am eager for the new Superman movie. But uh, by the same token, I, I'm a little frustrated by what we're leaving on the table. My Agreed. biggest complaint about well, not complaint. My biggest concern about the Superman movie is all of the casting, not who they're casting, but the sheer number of powered characters. Uh Mm -hmm. I want a movie focusing on Superman, and they're casting a lot of characters. It kind of reminds me of the last Suicide Squad film where, you know, you had all of these characters and then they all die on the beach, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and that, that wouldn't surprise me to see something, you know, similar to that in the Superman film, because I really enjoyed that Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, fact, yeah. That, love in fact, it. that reminds me, I may have to watch that tonight. But, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think my main concern about the new Superman movie is just how much they're setting up the authority. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. an authority fan. Same. I, I've never <laughs> read an authority story that I liked. Yeah. You know, I just ugh. I always so, want to like it, but I just never do. And even the characters they integrated into the Superman and the Authority run, you know, the Philip Kennedy Johnson uh-huh. War World run. Yeah, we're not. I I didn't gra- gra- gravitate towards those characters. I still very much appreciated the Superman's arc, uh-huh. but the Authority characters. Eh. There were parts of the story that I enjoyed, but you're right. I mean, I just don't really connect to those characters. And I think it would have been more effective with classic DC characters. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's an odd choice, but you know, it's but, just it, it's kind of like Cyborg. They just keep trying to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it doesn't, right? Well, at least they seem to have given up on Cyborg. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't we'll think see. so. The, next week we'll get we'll get <laughs> Cyborg casting from Superman Legacy. Exactly, exactly. God, I hate that character. Well, okay. <laughs> this week. You know, we're going to talk about Superman and we're going to talk about Godzilla and we're going to talk about a book where Superman and Godzilla interact. But before we do, last week we talked about Monarch, a legacy of monsters, episodes uh-huh. one and two. And so, you know, the, the schedule is weird from what I find. Like the first two episodes came out last week. Uh-huh. The third episode came out on Wednesday. Future episodes will be released on Friday. So I wonder if they just put it out on Wednesday to get the holiday views in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so from now on, Monarch will be released on Fridays. But, you know, we, we now have our third episode of uh, of Monarch out. And so, Aaron, did you enjoy it as much as you enjoyed the first two? You know. I just I just love me some Monarch. The. uh the show is is so exceptionally produced, written, shot, directed, acted. The whole thing is just a delight to watch. 
I, I, I really enjoy it. And we get to spend a lot more time with Kurt Russell in episode three. Uh, we get some delightful, you know, uh, Godzilla experience in that episode. Um, I, I just, God, it's so cool. I mean, and I love it the is. period stuff, you know, the post-World War II stuff with Godzilla, um, the, the, uh, the, the time that we're getting to spend with, you know, the, the younger, uh, Shaw, the younger Shaw, the, the long, younger Randa, mm-hmm. uh, they are they're just fantastic characters. I, I the casting is amazing. I love this show. It is honestly the, for me the weakest link in the cast is the young Bill yeah. Randa. Uh-huh. Um, but only because he's just milk toast. He's fine. He's just boring. Um, he's not he's not nearly as dynamic as the other characters. Now I think the weak link in the cast is actually the younger cast. Uh, eh, yeah. I, I like Kate. I, I like Kate a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's has nothing to do with how intensely good looking she is. Um, <laughs> I really cannot abide her half brother. Um, I, I just I, I, I really dislike the the, the uh, character. I Pantara, just, Yeah, yeah I, I don't care for him. But I do like the uh, young woman who's playing the, you know, computer hacker person. Uh, I like her. Um, but man, I, the, I, I, I always find that the weakest part of the storytelling is around those three characters. Yeah. You know, it's the struggle is quite frankly, when you put actors like Kurt Russell on screen uh-huh. who are just chewing up the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else just kind of disappears in the background. Uh-huh. That is exactly um, correct. But you know I, what I after the first episode, so the first episode had big Godzilla action. You know, you had a couple of monsters, more than one monster scene. And I was worried, like, okay, they're blowing their budget in the pilot episode, you know. And, and you know, we've had long conversations on this podcast on how if you release two episodes at the same time, it's because your first episode sucks. That right. was not the case right. with Monarch. But, you know, both of them had Godzilla flashbacks. Both of them had monster action. And I'm like, okay, first two episodes surely they're going to cut budget and we won't yeah. see monsters again for another yeah. few episodes. But no, this one actually had one of the biggest monster yeah. segments, um, you know, in the Arctic. And I was like, the money they must be spending on the show because the special effects are not TV level special effects. No, no. But you know, th- this does seem to be run true with all of the Apple shows that I watch that have, you know, special effects in them. The special effect special effects budgets on these shows are huge. Yeah. You know, at no point in found in either foundation or for all mankind, do I find any skimping on the visual effects budget? Um, I, I am, I'm just amazed at, at how well those are developed as well as the sound engineering. The sound design on these shows is amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, will watch them with my headphones on. I will watch them with my soundbar going. And I'm just really impressed at how dynamic the, the sound is. I mean, it really creates the space. Uh, I, and, you know, I know a lot of that's got to do with the fact that Apple's a technology company. Mm-hmm. But they are, they are not cheaping out on this stuff. And I imagine that was part of the reason why, uh, what is it, Legacy Pictures? Uh, who legendary? has yeah legendary thank you uh legendary pictures did the deal with apple because they knew apple would do it right yep you know because you know if you take it to a network you know if you take it to oh, yeah 
to ABC, you know, they're just going to fuck it up. Uh, I, I think, you know, <laughs> you're you, not wrong. You either go to HBO or you go to uh, you go to Apple. I think those are the two places you go to these days. Yeah, if well, you go to Netflix, you now. get one. I say you go to Netflix, you get one good season, then they that's take right. all the writers off. That's and right. The second season will suck. That's right. Well, that's HBO, exactly. you know, is owned by Warner Brothers, which is kind of a shit show right now. But you know, there, there's been this rumor for years now that Apple has wanted to buy Disney. Mm-hmm. I feel like Apple should stop looking at Disney and buy Warner Brothers. Yeah. From Discovery, because they clearly done a horrible. Um, yeah, the you know, new uh, the new ownership ship of of Warner doesn't understand what they have. Yeah, I mean they I scrapped mean, multiple movies, multiple uh-huh. completed movies for the tax break. Um, oh. In fact, you know they recently scrapped uh, an a John like a Roger Rabbit esque. Um, the uh, uh, Wiley Coyote versus Acme, right? Yeah, with, and they had yeah. John Cena, and apparently multiple things. One, it, it got such bad publicity for doing it. They are now instead of writing it off, trying to shop it off to someone else. And of course yeah. it'll be picked up. And oh, yeah. two, it's actually being looked at as, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, they're, uh, and I'm trying to remember the agency, but you know, they're, you know, like agencies that look into monopolies or, you know, fraudulent billing practices, you know, tax yeah. um, issues, that kind of thing. Cause they're like, Oh, you're talking like government agents. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. government, the, the government is actually looking into, now these practices because they're like it's kind of akin to burning down your restaurant for the insurance money that's right that's right well you know they spent 70 million dollars making you know coyote versus acme right mm-hmm. um and then they they were going to do the same thing that they did to Batgirl. they were you know gonna you know put it in the vault and write it off you know so everybody mm-hmm. got paid for doing the job but they don't get the benefit of having their work viewed or the back um, end if they have a back end right. deal they get basically that's right. get screwed get out of the back end that is exactly correct if you had points you get screwed um i as a taxpayer i think that's some bullshit you know i, oh, I yeah. really do I, I i feel like you shouldn't be able to to you know chunk down 70 million dollars uh, to create a product, you know, your your write-off should be the loss that you take at the box office. But this was a $70 million project for streaming. And, you know, new leadership at uh, Warner, at Discovery Warner, I guess, um, has decided that they are no longer making $70 million for streaming. Uh, that was old leadership's uh, strategy, and that's not what they're going to do. And so that's why they decided to take the write-off versus – you know, uh, you know, releasing it to streaming. And I got to tell you, I think it would have done fine on streaming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, the fact that they originally said, you know, we're going to put $70 million to build content for our streaming device. Um, I, I I really think that's some bullshit getting to take that as a write off. Yeah. And frankly, it would have made its money back if they changed it and made it released in theaters. Uh-huh. Now, of course, they've got to spend an additional probably $20 million in advertising. Um, but family movies are so few and far between nowadays. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like it would do really well. I think but it would too. I'm not, not going to be released by them. So yeah, which is I, crazy I, to me. Warner brothers is not releasing a Looney Tunes movie because uh-huh. they are that cheap. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that it would have made money in theaters at the, at the family level. Uh, obviously, it would have done well on streaming. Uh, it just this is just a stupid business decision uh, because the, there's a tax write off that they thought they could take. And uh, I, I, I guarantee you those laws will get changed. It would make money if no other reason than it had John Cena in it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Wiley Cody. I mean, I, come on. <laughs> yeah. and, and apparently a ton of other characters, too. Yeah. You know, again, they said it was very Roger Rabbit-esque with cameos and stuff like that. I would have seen it in theaters. Same. And I yeah. don't go to a lot in theaters. And I didn't see Space Jam, too. But I would see this one. Yeah. For some but, yeah. you know, but the, all to my point of if because apparently, you know, Discovery is looking to sell off Warner Brothers in the future. Like they, yeah. they know they've they've bungled the, the you know bundled it. They can't really afford to keep it. So they're they're probably around 2025. You know, they're they're saying Universal may be a contender to purchase Warner Brothers and all the Universal. associated properties. Yeah. But I feel like Apple should yeah. be looking at them. Yeah. And then we could get a cinematic version of Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. I'm down for that. Let's do it. Yeah. So write a letter. Aaron, write a letter. I'm on it. Why don't we just put our money together? And, uh, you know, there's three of us here. Uh, four, if you count Andrew when he shows up. Uh, and Andrew's the rich one. That's right. That's right. So let's let's put our money together and buy us some Warner Brothers. I <laughs> can't run it any worse. <laughs> and then That's we can drag Batgirl out of the vault. <laughs> I mean, we'll just buy it just so that we can see Batgirl, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We won't even release it. We'll just yeah. watch it. Yeah. <laughs> On repeat. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, you know, speaking of Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, the second issue came out this week from Brian Bucolato and Christian Doucet, I think is is maybe how it's pronounced. And so, you know, we all loved the first issue. And... Yeah, now, now this this issue even brings even more giant monster action, um, you know, focused pretty heavily on on Superman, excuse me, on uh, Superman versus Godzilla, as well as the bat family versus a giant winged bat creature. So what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love this book. I, I loved that they did not make Godzilla less mighty. Uh, just because, you know, he runs up against Superman, because I, I think the the thought is that Superman, because he's super, can take anybody. And I love that Godzilla's kicking his ass. Um, now, I will say this is kind of a rough week for Superman, uh, both in this title yeah, and in the next. this issue and Superman number eight kind yeah. of end with the same page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bad week for soups, but uh uh, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, and I, I enjoyed how freaked out Lois is at, you know, Godzilla going up against Superman, you know, cause you think Superman can take care of everything and, you know, he can't because, you know, Godzilla is a Titan. He is, he is, he is a, you know, a God, if you will. Uh, he, his powers are so beyond those of uh, even, even the last son of Krypton. I love seeing Superman genuinely challenged. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to just beat Godzilla senseless. Uh, I dig that. I dig that. Well, I really love their take on Superman. Uh-huh. I mean, I want this as a regular Superman book. Right. This take on him. It's things like 
Superman tries to talk to Godzilla, but he's not stupid. He realizes before Godzilla attacks that he needs to fight. Superman gets tossed into a building and immediately starts checking to make sure everyone's okay before getting back out there. Well, in the beginning, evacuation protocols pretty much immediately, right? You know, he's like, Flash, evacuate these buildings. This is this is going to be destructive. And I, I loved that scene. Yeah, it's a it's one of the things I love about the book. Even as cool as you know Godzilla is in the book, this version of Superman is a Superman that I love. Yeah. It's a Superman that really cares and is doing everything right down to the core of what I would want for a Superman. Yeah. It's a really well written story. I, I, I am a little amused that you know, you've got Godzilla in Metropolis, and so it's Superman and Hawkwoman <laughs> fighting yeah. Godzilla. And I'm like, I, I, I might have sent, you know, Supergirl or yeah. Power Girl or one of the other. Or Superboy. Or yeah. Any, you know, yeah. The, the continuity is a little funky because, you, right. you know, this features the whole Bat family, including Jason Todd. Right. Um, you know, as Red Hood. But other than Supergirl, there's no real reference to the rest of the super family. Right. Yeah. Well, they, they feel a lot younger. Right. Mm-hmm. The the heroes in the book. So uh, well, especially but, with him proposing to Lois in the first issue. Right. Right. So it's like th- th- this is definitely its own continuity. And I think you know, the, the artist or excuse me, the writer probably plucked the characters from different points in time. I feel the same. Yeah. You know, to depend, you know, depending on what served the story the best, which is fine. Right. You know, it's, it's a little funky when you're reading in continuity books simultaneously. Yeah. But if you read it as its own thing, it's just you you, you get enough of the characters yeah. um, to love. The one thing that I will say is that at some point in the book, Damian Wayne is in the Batwing with Batman. Right. And then the Batwing gets destroyed. And you don't see Damian Wayne. <laughs> you don't see Damian Wayne for the rest of the book. He, and I'm like, he died in the Batwing, Paul. Yeah. And we just don't have time to grieve for him. Yeah. I was like, you only see Batman come out. I'm like, huh. This is why there is such Damian? this is why there is such a large extended bat family, so that some of these are are, are disposable. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, and I, one of the things I one of the things I love about how heroic these are, even Batman here. Batman is Angry at Jason Todd, not because he took the shot at the uh, the kaiju here. It's because Batman's trying to fight him to keep it away from the people. Right. Like, they're keeping it distracted until they find a weakness because he's afraid of the collateral damage. I well, love I, that. I really appreciated that Jason Todd plan to do the thing that I'm always saying that you should do in these circumstances, shoot the giant monster in the eyeball. Right. And so, you know, Jason Todd's got his sniper rifle out there and he's like, I'm just going to shoot. I'm just going to shoot this big bat monster through the eye. And everyone's like, no, no, no. And he takes the shot and, you know, hits, but it doesn't do what he had hoped it would do. And, you know, chaos ensues. And then you've got Batgirl, you know, as they're chastising Jason for having done this when everybody told him not to, Batgirl just cold coxing and you know knocks him out one punch down. <laughs> I, I got a real kick out of that. Jason's having a tough time. Yeah, in general. Poor Jason. But in the Batman t- books, he's he's having a tough time there too. Let me tell you what I'm excited about for issue three is Oliver Queen romping around Skull Island. Yeah. I I, yeah. I mean I was like oh my god I can't wait I 
cannot what a the the best character to put on Skull Island is Green Arrow. Yeah, I, and I love that they even reference it. He's like, it's not my first time stuck on a deserted island. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. I am totally down for this. Mm. Uh, I, I God, it's, it's just like you know, the, they 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 take the low hanging fruit that you would want as a fan, uh huh, and they bring them into this book, and I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could really kind of care less about the monster on Themyscira. Really, kind of care less about that one. Yeah, uh, but, but the 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 rest of it, I am super excited about. Well, yeah. you know, another book that I'm really digging is this Superman book um, from uh, Joshua Williamson. Uh, now, this book features a number of different artists, which I will say they kind of need to get their art back on track because yeah. the first arc was done by, I think, by by one by David Baldian, maybe. I don't remember. There was one specific artist for the first arc um, and and did a great job, I felt. Very cinematic, very, um, you know, animated in nature. Uh, they, we have a mixture of art styles in this book, and and I don't feel like it's serving the story as well. It, it kind of harkens a little bit back to late 90s, early 2000s, um, more than I'd care for. But, yeah, the the art is not super strong. I don't care for um uh, for the color palette that they're using for the most part. Um but I will say I'm enjoying the story. Um, I do, and I like that they're introducing a larger family with Lex. Yeah, yeah. I like in fact, if I if there was one thing that I would pick out of this entire run of Superman that I'm really appreciating, it's the take on Lex Luthor. Yeah. And yeah. you know, just how much he is, I don't want to say reforming, but he's definitely become, he's a more complex character here. And I'm yeah. really liking that. Well, and, it, you know, at, at a minimum, it's a different angle, you know, for Lex, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, he, he's he's a he's a scorpion. He's going to sting. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's going to happen. But it's the, the journey is interesting while we're here. Um, I. What I like about this is that it's not really a mystery because Lex is just forthcoming with information. Yeah. You know, so we're finding out just these terrible things that Lex has done in the past that are, you know, have come home to land right now. Um, I was at the end of the last issue, you know, we discovered that the chain, is that his name? Yeah. The chain, the, the chain had, uh, uh, tactile telekinesis like super like superboy does and i was like huh that's interesting i you know I, I i wonder why his tactile telekinesis is so much more powerful than superboy's and you know we don't have to wait long to get that answer you know and i feel like in the hands of a different writer we might have had to wait eight or ten issues to get the answer to that we oh, got yeah. it this in this book and i loved that um, I, I really liked the the compressed um, storytelling here where we found out a lot about the character this time. Um, that was great. That was this great. This entire book very much. And I think that's what I Superman by Joshua Williamson. And don't get me wrong. Joshua Williamson loves some of his stuff, really dislikes some of his other stuff. Yeah. Like Final Crisis, not Final Crisis, Dark Crisis, whatever was not good. But on Superman, he is writing Superman in a way that is just proper comic writing, right? Mm-hmm. You get story, you get action. It doesn't take six issues 
you know, to see a character in a costume like, you know, but it, there is this ongoing mystery of, uh, you know, of what Lex and Perry, you know, why Perry hid what Lex did in their younger years. Like there, there's stuff, but there's enough in each issue. There's a lot of meat and I'm just really, really digging all of it. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I'll say, you know, kind of like we said with the prior with with Justice with uh, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong is that ends with Superman you know, beaten down on the ground. This issue ends with Superman beaten down on the ground. And it also refers to super armor in the next issue, which is kind of like, well, hold on. Isn't he getting super armor in action comics? Right. And I don't and, and I don't now maybe they'll tie them together. They haven't thus far. Um. So, you know, if, if if we're getting similar stories or similar threads in different stories, it feels like an editor should say, hey, yeah, they're doing super armor in action comics. Right. You, pro- you should probably wait a little bit before you, you do your super armor. Yeah. Well, and we get him in a suit in this issue, you know, so he which can is utilize- very reminiscent of a, the animated series uh, space suit, which yeah. I loved. Well, and I enjoyed the kryptonite gloves, mm-hmm. you know, that he used to fight the chain. And but I'm like, OK, well, you know. Didn't we just do a suit, <laughs> you know, so yeah. we're I, and I know it's it's it's, it's a different purpose. But I like multiple suits. I, I, here's the thing. I have always been a fan of multiple suit Superman, mm-hmm. right? Like space suit Superman, kryptonite gloves, Superman. You know, it, it kind of harkens back to like the toys, right? Superpowers, right. toys and things like that, like the weird shit they'd have to come up with to not, you know, to, to get you to buy another Superman toy. So I like that. Um, I just, you know. I don't like it when I'm seeing it in multiple various stories that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a fun book looking forward to, to what's coming next on it. And, uh, you know, I, the, the, the last book we're going to talk about is one I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on both of your thoughts on, because this is the Jason Aaron DC book. DC return. I mean, you know, Jason Aaron had previously written for Vertigo, but never yeah. for DC proper. So Wayne, never for Batman. you know, you were, you were, you know, concerned about, you know, science fiction, Batman, Batman being off world, you know, tell us, tell us, Wayne, what'd you think A Batman yeah. off world? Number one. Usually I don't like the Batman in space stories because they don't show him as out of his element at all. This book, though, I loved it. It's a very different take on Batman in space. This is a Batman who finds out about aliens out there and decides he hasn't trained enough. So he's out in space training. It just it was a completely different take than I expected. And it felt like Batman. It felt like something Batman would do and a way Batman would approach these stories without making him just this overpowered, knows how to plan for everything character. Yeah, I like the the space and time that the story is being told. It's like a year after Batman took on the cowl. Um and he's still very young in his business. And, you know, he, he makes the comment in the book that he had trained with every you know, combat master in the world. And then it dawned on him that there are, you know, countless other worlds out there. And, and he knows he is not as prepared as he thought he was. 
and having encountered an alien in Gotham, that's when, when the notion hit him that he needed to go to space and learn how to fight outer, outer space aliens. And I, I, you know, on the one hand, kind of a ridiculous story, but on the other hand, it's amazing. I love this book and you cannot beat the Doug Mankey artwork. Uh, Especially Batman I, with the uh, laser um, chainsaw. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, the, the opening scene is great. It's where, you know, Batman's ship is captured by, you know, this group of, of, uh, of, I, I guess, marauders who go out or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, slave traders, really, they go yeah. out, they capture people and then, you know, press them into service and, you know, sell them off at these, you know, war markets where people hire mercenaries. So, uh, <laughs> Batman, you know, hides on his ship and he just starts addressing the aliens that are coming in. And he's like, I don't know anything about these guys. I I don't have, uh, you know, I don't know their pressure points. I don't know their weaknesses, but I see they have faces. I'll start there. (laughs) And the the aliens are freaking out. It's got all you're doing is you're you're just seeing the, the guys listening to their comms. And you're getting that. Oh my God, it's got wings. <laughs> I, 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 I loved that opening sequence where you yeah. know, mm-hmm. Batman's just taking the aliens apart. It was great. Well, and while he's taking them apart, he's, you also get his inner monologue about how things aren't working quite right. Right. The gravity isn't what he expects. The batterings aren't doing exactly what, and he's having to adapt real time to a different environment. Yeah. And the, the scenes with him, you know, after he's captured, you know, and he's he's decided that he's got some additional training that he needs to do. Uh, and he trains with the punch bot. And I love the punch bot scenes. I, I just I, I love this book from beginning to end. I, I have I really have no complaints about this book other than that. I need more Doug Mankey in my life. You know, it's funny. This book very much reminded me. Of, and we'll we'll see if you guys agree. It reminded me of Scott Snyder's Metal. Oh, I, I thought the same thing. In fact, uh, I, while I was reading, I was like, "Man, Doug Monkey really should have been illustrated that." Not that I've got anything against Greg Capullo, but I really feel like Doug Monkey has a much more metal vibe than Capullo yeah. does. Agreed. You yeah. know, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I was not the biggest fan of metal. I, mm-hmm. I liked it, but mm-hmm. um, in fact, I think I liked it more on repeat um, reading than I did initially. But yeah, this is very much metal. But you know, it it it, it Jason Aaron is a is a great writer. I li- I like Scott Snyder as well. But it 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 gets some things I think about the fun aspect of it uh-huh. better than than Scott Snyder did with metal. But very similar in feel. Yeah. I, I, I think this book is great. I, I am I am so excited uh, for more issues in this story. Yeah, me too. How long is this book? Do we know? Is it six issues, 12? I think it's eight, maybe. Okay. I feel like I read eight somewhere. Okay. Well, I, 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 it, it is so good. I, and it is what a spectacular debut uh, Jason Aaron is having in the in the, the DC main universe. Um, I, I I'm very encouraged by this. Me too. So, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week we get the start of two major crossovers. Um, Amazing Spider-Man Gang War for Strike from Marvel Comics and Titans Beast World number one from DC Comics. 
So those are both big, you know, winter events and uh, in the Marvel and DC universes. One's written by Tom Taylor with art by Ivan Rice. Um, and, and The Amazing Spider-Man is by Zeb Wells. And it says Joey Vasquez is the artist who I'm, I'm not familiar with. But um, so, th- you know, we've got two major crossovers starting next week. We also get new issues of the J. Michael Straczynski um, Captain America book. Oh, good. And action comics, um, you know, from Philip Kennedy Johnson and, you know, a number of different artists. And I have a question for you guys. Mm. Is anyone reading Predator versus Wolverine? No. Ah, okay. I have bought it, but I haven't read it. (laughs) Nor have I. I guess I should read it because issue three comes out next week. So I need to decide if I'm going to continue reading it or not. You just won't be reading it on the Comixology app. No, I'll be reading it on Kindle. (laughs) Well, uh, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. We want to know what you're putting on your turkey sandwich. Give us a shout at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. And if we use your comment on a show, you can win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media. I-O-M-Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or X. Guys, you know, I actually finished the Loki series this week. Oh. And, and uh, you know, I had seen a lot online about the surprise ending. And uh, I watched it. And as far as I could tell, there was no surprise ending. Yeah, uh, I watched it. I finished it up last night and nothing about the ending was surprised uh, at all. I mean, it's kind of the ending I expected once we knew which course the, you know, Loki was taking. I was like, I don't know why anybody thought this was a surprise other than they were just trying to establish clickbait. You know why? uh, Because people don't have 40 years of comic reading experience (laughs) under their belt to know how these stories end. That's why (laughs) I will say, Wayne, I don't know what you thought, but I really enjoyed it. It took me a while to get into it, but I really enjoyed the show. Same here. And I felt like it, it let Loki be awesome. Yeah. Wow. It was great. I, 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 I highly recommend it. So, all right, guys, well, we will uh, get together next week and we'll talk about other things. We'll probably talk more about Godzilla. I can only assume, but, uh, uh, maybe we'll also talk about some other monsters as well. Thanks guys. Catch you then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.